it's real. It's real. You know the deal. You know the deal. Hey, it's Shantae. And I'm Natalie. And welcome to What's the Deal, a podcast powered by the Norfus Firm. At the Norfus Firm, we solve people problems. We work with employers all around the world on human resources and diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. Oh, we get, we're really getting talked about the stuff we love to talk about, right? The, the nuts and bolts of doing this work. And the really cool part about this series is that we're talking about it on a global level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about in our intro that we work with employers around the world, um, but it's always a pleasure to have colleagues who do too. And um, we're happy for this third episode to have Charlene Brown back from Howlett Brown. Um, Charlene ha- runs a people intelligence firm that focuses on all aspects of people from DEI strategies to HR strategies to investigations. And like me, Charlene is also an employment lawyer. And so it's been really cool connecting um, with someone that is thinks in a lot of the ways that we do, but has perspectives that we don't. And I think that's amazing. Very cool. So when we think about the first few episodes that we've, we were, we've, that brought us to this point, one, we wanted to make sure it's very clear that DEI is a global issue. It's not a U.S. issue. We hear that sometimes. And it's sometimes a way, I think, for people to say, like, oh, that's not our problem. We don't have to deal with that. Um, but I think it's, we've established it's very clear. And I think another point that, you know, we sort of touched on, but when George Floyd was murdered in 2020, we saw that around the world. We saw that it had a ripple effect around the world. So I think if that wasn't an indication that, there is a need for us to be focused in a meaningful way on this. I don't know what else would have been. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, we were thinking, okay, well, what are the can, some of the considerations you have to think about with a, a, a global uh, DEI strategy versus a single country uh, DEI strategy? Now, there's a lot that's the same, but there's, there were things there that we, we brought out that were different. Now the question is, who should be doing the work? Who should be doing global DEI work? Such a great question. It always comes back to, for us, you know, you hire people for a certain level of expertise, right? And especially at certain levels, you really need someone who understands this from a strategic perspective. So you wouldn't just put anybody in a strategic role in any other function within an organization. So it's like, why would you do that here? So, And what we definitely see in the U.S. is a lot of plopping folks into jobs because people think that their lived experience is enough to bring them over the finish line in terms of building a strategy. But Charlene, what's your thought there in terms of like who should be doing global DEI work? Yeah, I think so. I, I think driving a global, a global DEI agenda is an everybody job, right? So when you, when you understand where... When you understand what you're working with in terms of your organization, making sure it's infused into your organizational, commercial, purpose-driven strategy is essential. But then you might have one or two or three different departments or people who oversee the that. And those people have to have the right expertise. Um, and they also need to have the right level of autonomy agency and support at the same time um, you see it all you see a lot of it you see a lot of people who are in these roles for passion um, without technical expertise and I, I admire that passion and I admire the ambition for taking on the roles but these are people's lives that we're talking about right and what we do really really impacts them so if we can't walk in to this area of work 
knowing that we are able to bring about change and they're at the front of mind, then we shouldn't, we should not be doing it and you should not be doing it. Right. And at the same time, when people come in and they have those expertise and they have those creative opportunities to do something, the organization needs to make sure their structure allows for that. I know a lot of uh, heads of global DEI uh people in, in organizations and local DEI, they just, all they do is talk and argue and challenge and they get nowhere, no progress because the infrastructure doesn't allow for their agency and autonomy to drive change. So it's, yes, the right people need to be in the job and how you select those people matters on a technical, strategic, uh, kind of a emotional intelligence level but actually they need to be, the organization needs to be ready to receive them um, as well. What do you think about that? And like in terms of thinking about like an organization needs to be ready to receive. Oh, cause it's a setup. Otherwise like, <laughs> you, my, my nephew, um, I, I may have shared this story before, but he works for, um, it's like a real estate management company. They have lots of properties all over the country and he's one of very few uh, black men who work in this organization. And he's a rising star. Like he's extremely intelligent, great financial acumen, all those things. They've like tapped him. Um, and they, they know that they need to work. They need work in this area. And so they're looking at him like, hey, so don't you want to do this thing? And I was like, don't fall for it. It's a trap. <laughs> it is a trap because I think it, 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 it's, it's a perfect, that's so perfect because it's like we, and I'm sure Charlene, you have examples of this too. Friends will call and say, oh, they asked me to run a DEI committee. They asked me if I could come up with some ideas and we're always like, but do they really want this? Mm-hmm. Are they really mm-hmm. ready for it? And what does that mean? It means that like beyond just the surface level recognition that, you know, DEI is important, that you've made room and space for it. There's a budget, the the resources, right? So budget and other types of resources. And I think that gets at, you know, I would interpret your point around autonomy, Charlene, to be part of like, give me something I can make decisions with, right? Like if I need to to spend some money here. Um, And also if there, have they recognized like what it means to do the work. And by that, I mean, like if someone, if you're just going to a random employee who has a different job and saying, Hey, don't you want to do this? That's a little bit of a telltale sign to me that you don't even know, have like a clue about what it takes to do it. And so I, I'm always encouraging people to go back and say like the, are you ready? But like really push on certain areas so that at least as the individual can assess what they're walking into. And if they want to do it, how are you supporting me in this? Are you going, am I going to get additional training or education or like what, what, how are we really setting me up for success here? 100%. And I think um, like any role, there are control measures that have to be in place, right? So autonomy has to be there to be able to do the work, but there has to be appropriate control measures in like there is in compliance, like there is in finance, like there is in, I don't know, marketing, although you see a lot of wild stuff in the press and on and advertisements for clothes and things like that anyway but I've seen it also go wrong horribly wrong where a person is then really harmed and also their reputation and their organizational reputation goes goes to hell too so in the UK there is a gym chain I won't remember I won't mention their name here but um 
one of their gym instructors is a black man and he um he he's not edu- he's a fitness instructor he's not educated in the space of dei but it was black history month here and he had the idea of um doing a workout um in relation to black history and i'll tell you what he, what he said but he put the post on twitter and the gym the head of the gym um branch retweeted it and it was so bad it went viral to the point where the head office of the gym disavowed it but it was in all the kind of standard class newspapers press here and that person was vilified for what he did more than the organization so he basically put a post out that says um slavery was hard but so is this um in a celebration of the epic film 12 years a slave do this workout no yeah yeah like, and i um it's yeah. like a, it's like a so train bad. crash so bad. Like, yeah. oh my god so bad but because i think because he was a black man when he sent it when he, and and the marketing teams and the office they just assumed it was right right and look what happened but he was harmed they didn't protect him he was harmed way more than than, than they not. were i'm about to dry <laughs> right and i think wow. that that becomes the point of and you you charlene touched upon this in the first episode of this stuff has to be overlaid in what you do it's not like yeah. oh we're gonna have just this catchy tweet or a catchy meme or something that is just you know we're, we're checking a box it's like when you have the people who have true expertise in the data around dei in the trends and how quickly things change in the emotional intelligence piece language the, the language piece then it's like before those types of things can go out someone with a, a, a sort of a broader view and the expertise will look at it. And to Charlene's point, like you're not going to send out your tax return if it was done by a marketing expert, right? Like that's not, no one's exactly. going to put themselves at that risk. So it comes back to why would you put yourself at that risk when it comes to people issues, mm-hmm. right? Like we've seen yeah. this not just in DEI, but in HR where people just think, Oh, like they're smart, they can figure it out. And it's, it's people, you can be smart, but it is like, you don't know what you don't know in this work. And, and especially, I'm sure you can relate to this, Charlene, being an employment lawyer, I'm also also thinking about how the law can come into some of these things and um, yep. the intersection between like your compliance obligations, but then how do you do more avant-garde things to make sure people feel heard and the like. And, and, and again, it's like just, Think about like other places where you absolutely hire an expert, right? You absolutely hire an expert when you're getting sued. You get a lawyer, right? Who knows what they're doing. You don't typically try to handle that yourself. So I think that in terms of the who should be doing this work, we really have to be thoughtful about about the profile. If, if we have a little bit of time, I'd love to actually break that profile down. Maybe there are a couple of... Yes, Yes. You know, roles that we can look at. Um, but like, what is the profile? If you had to say of someone who is supporting DEI work from a, a we're talking about a global workplace, right? What does that person need to have? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good question. I would say, I would say they, they need to have relevant experience in the space of DEI, but on a meaningful cultural level, right? And not at just one place. So they have to be able to have shown breadth of experience 
through examples and case studies of what they've done. I would say they need to really understand HR strategy. I think they need to understand employment legislation. Um, I think they also need to understand trauma-informed and transformative justice practices, for sure. Um, I think they need to understand how to... Um, uh, I think influence is an art form, right? How you how you maneuver and influence people is a skill that you have that you can go very far in terms of driving change. I think you need to be able to do that. And I, I think you need to um, be cross-functional in your ability to position and talk about different layers of issues. I think um, when I think about my work and the conversations I have, um, it's on a legal, it's on a HR, it's on a strategic, but it's also on a mindful level as well. You know, it's bringing it back to the person and and going into any room and being able to have that conversation. But you're right, we should really, we should just get our heads together and write up a job description, like the core <laughs> skills, right? I think that's a good idea because I don't think yeah. there is one. Um, yeah, I, I see net, former network leaders who can build those are the technical skills are often good at this because they understand the people experiences, but they have to have those additional um, attributes and they have to have been a network leader for a long time in an environment that ensures a good stretch of development skill, I think as well. I love the point of the breadth of experience. Mm -hmm. I love that you say not just at one place, because I think, as you were talking, I think that's what helps us in our work is that we have really varied backgrounds, yeah. right? Um, and, and there's we've operated in many different work environments as employees yeah. of those places, as consultants to those places. And I think those are the things that at least put us in a position of being able to say, okay, we've never done work in this country, but we have a process to understand what's going on. Like we have those sort of initial things that we're always going to want to understand and want to learn so that we're making sure we're coming at this from a place that's not just from our own lens. We, we, we did both the, the fist pump yeah. on the trauma informed piece. What, yeah. Talk, no, to, talk a, about that a little yeah, bit. I love that you said that Charlene, because people don't understand it. it the self-awareness piece is also tied into this, but people don't understand how harm shows up and how people have a real need and desire to feel safe and and to and it speaks to uh -huh. trust was trust is, trust was last episode was it this episode one of the episodes was was really centered around trust and so it in 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 being in trauma informed in that way of really understanding okay when you're dealing with someone they're bringing their stuff first of all, like all their stuff and then how are you working with them to create you know to work co-create a trusted environment how are we being mindful of how harm could show up in these what interactions? Is harm? What is harmful to someone? Right. Cause right. Yeah. you don't know, like there's a way of, of, of working through that, that is really, really important, but it all centers around the mindfulness side of it. But I, I really do love that you brought in the trauma informed because it just takes it up a notch. Um, and, and that's really frankly, that taking it up a notch mm -hmm. is such a critical piece of where we are today. Right. People are not okay. And I keep saying this, but it's like, 
if, if you're not bringing someone in who understands what harm is, who understands what trauma is, who understands how it shows up, who understands the fact that people are coming from all these different places with all these different experiences. You can't be an expert in all of it. You can't necessarily hold space for every single thing. But not if you don't even have that cognizance and that's not part of your practice, it makes it very hard for you to be effective. We were we have a, a global company we're working with, one of their departments, and um, they, they one of the departments has like their own counsel. And there was a DEI professional newer to the job. And so like DEI wasn't that person's experience in, in like before this job. And there was a lot of very aggressive energy from that person, like from the outset. And it was the first time they had joined a call and the call was so quiet. And I really felt like it totally chilled conversation. And when I talked to our client contact yesterday, that was the same opinion they had, where it was like it just kind of shut everything down and it's like you can feel it and Shantae and I were sitting there on the call and it's like we're trying to like encourage people to ask questions but you could feel like the air had left the room but I don't think that person who yeah. was the DEI professional even recognized that because it was like their first like your first time on a call you don't come and dominate the call and you know what I mean it's like that not like even just being aware so I think um, yeah. emotional intelligence that was also brought up is big in that too Right. Read the room. Man. Yeah, definitely. Get, but the readers of energy, that, that takes a very self-aware um, person. But, but assess being self, self-critical, not in a, a, a destructive way, but recognizing how you show up and the impact of your power and presence is essential. We, when we do listening circles, we call them, which is pretty much focus groups, um, sometimes a client will say, we think it's really important for us to all get together, managers, uh, staff, juniors. And I say, well, okay, fair enough, but for certain topics of conversation. But if we're talking about their experiences or safety or well-being or discrimination, we need to think about what is the safest way to structure those conversations so that they can feel free to talk because you'll, you'll silence them and then you get nowhere and you don't learn. So I do think a lot, a lot of thought needs to go into that and people should not take it personal, but, but sometimes you're just not supposed to be in the room and you need to just accept that because of the, what you bring to it can change how much growth can come from the organization. I think that's a, like a great final point, Mm -hmm. that self-awareness piece, Mm -hmm. because folks are struggling with that these days. What do you think? A lot of people are struggling with self-awareness. It, again, the emotional intelligence, you you can't, you got to be able to see yourself, check in with yourself and understand what's going on, what's happening here in this body. Right. And then what is then being projected out and what are then people responding to? And then what am I responding to people responding to me? Like it's exactly. a whole thing that you got to go through energetically. Right. But you, but as a leader, Hey, that's what you signed up for. As part and, of what and, you signed and, up for. and in this space in yeah. particular, right? Yeah. Because if you're not doing the work to understand how you as a DEI professional show up to people, if you haven't solicited feedback or gotten feedback and are thinking about that and are constantly sort of, again, that practice of working on yourself, yeah. It makes it hard to do the work because that's where people are getting stuck. You know, people are getting stuck in that feeling seen and not how to communicate how they're not getting seen or they're getting stuck because they feel harmed, but they're not, they're not sure if they're allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's a lot of these places where for you to be able to help people get unstuck, especially leaders and especially to the point that Charlene brought up in the beginning is people are very scared to get it wrong yeah. and fear really can mess stuff up. 
then it's going to make it really difficult in this day and age, again, in 2023, to help move DEI strategies along. Charlene and I talked a little about bit before we started about the fact that the profile of who you need to do this work has really, really changed, particularly in the last three to five years. And I would say, outside of having someone who's very firmly understands how to build a strategy and what a strategy is, we'll talk about that on another episode, a strategy is something very specific that people, you want to make sure they know how to do that. That's, I think, really important. Mm-hmm. But it also is, what is your emotional intelligence like? Because people are not okay. And again, you end up with these situations where someone says something that they shouldn't have said and no one was there to intervene. And the person, instead of even getting any benefit of the doubt, they're vilified, they're harmed, even, they're harmed even though they were coming from a place of trying to inform And so I think it's like, again, if we're just kind of wrapping up here, gosh, well, we could talk to Charlene for like three weeks straight. Um, um, If we're just wrapping up here on this note, who should be doing DEI work? Someone who has expertise in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And like Charlene said, not at one place, that there's a breadth to that experience. Mm -hmm. Someone who understands and has built a strategy, right? That helps to understand, helps an organization understand their North Star, like the direction they want to go in. Um, and I think a third sort of general category, but I think we'll be working with Charlene on, on building a universal job description, is yeah, a, emotion, yeah. <laughs> emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Understanding how to build trusted spaces, understanding harm and the like. Um, Charlene, thank you so much. We, we appreciate you awesome. more than you thank know. You. Um, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Honestly, we could talk all day. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and leadership. That's the deal when you know what you're dealing with.